1932. Only the presumption of objective aesthetic value gives meaning to the historical evolution of art. In other words, in the absence of aesthetic value, the history of art is just an enormous storehouse of works whose chronologic sequence carries no meaning. And conversely, it is only within the context of an art's historical evolution that aesthetic value can be seen. But what objective aesthetic value can we speak of if each nation, each historical period, each social group has tastes of its own? From the sociological viewpoint, the history of an art has no meaning in itself, but is part of a society's whole history, like the history of its clothing, its funeral and marriage rituals, its sports or its celebrations. That is roughly how the novel is discussed in the Diderot and d'Alembert Encyclopédie, 1751-72. The author of that entry, the Chevalier de Jocourt, acknowledges that the novel has a broad reach, nearly everyone reads it, and a moral influence, sometimes worthwhile, sometimes noxious, but not a specific value in itself. And furthermore, he mentions almost none of the novelists we admire today. Not Rabelais, not Cervantes, not Quevedo, nor Grimmelhausen, nor Defoe, nor Swift, nor Smollett, nor Lesage, nor the Abbé Prévost. For the Chevalier de Jocourt, the novel does not stand as autonomous art or history. Rabelais and Cervantes That the encyclopedia did not cite either one of them is no shock. Rabelais hardly worried about whether he was a novelist or not, and Cervantes believed he was writing a sarcastic epilogue to the fantastic literature of the previous period. Neither saw himself as a founder. It was only in retrospect, over time, that the practice of the art of the novel assigned them the role. And it did so not because they were the first to write novels, there were many other novelists before Cervantes, but because their works made clear, better than the others had, the raison d'etre of this new epic art because for their successors the works represented the first great novelistic values. And only when people began to see the novel as having a value, a specific value, an aesthetic value, could novels in their succession be seen as a history. Theory of the Novel Fielding was one of the first novelists able to conceive a poetics of the novel. Each of the eighteen books of Tom Jones opens with a chapter devoted to a kind of theory of the novel, a light, playful theory, for that's how a novelist theorizes. He holds jealously to his own language, flees learned jargon like the plague. Fielding wrote his novel in 1749, thus two centuries after Gargantua and Pantagruel, and a century and a half after Don Quixote. And yet, even though he looks back to Rabelais and Cervantes, for him the novel is still a new art, so much so that he calls himself the founder of a new province of writing. That new province is so new that it has no name yet. Or rather, in English it has two names, novel and romance. But Fielding refuses to use them because no sooner is it discovered than the new province is invaded by a swarm of foolish novels and monstrous romances with which he does not want his own books confused.
He therefore designates this new art by a rather convoluted but remarkably accurate expression, prosaic commi epic writing. He tries to define the art, that is, to determine its raison d'etre, to outline the realm of reality it should illuminate, explore, grasp. The provision, then, which we have here made is no other than human nature. The assertion only seems banal. Readers at the time saw novels as amusing, edifying, entertaining stories, but nothing more. No one would have granted the novel a purpose so general, thus so exacting, so serious as an inquiry into human nature. No one would have elevated it to the rank of a reflection on man as such. In Tom Jones, Fielding suddenly interrupts himself in mid-narration to declare that he is dumbfounded by one of the characters, whose behaviour the writer finds the most unaccountable of all the...